0: You're so beautiful in our eyesight. You are the one who causes us to dream the impossible dreams. You're the one who speaks to our hearts of those things that man have not yet heard, nor has man been able to see. And in most of our lives, Lord, what we see is all the impossibilities of what we cannot perform and what we cannot do. And yet, Lord, we are a people who speak of your greatness. We are a people who constantly declare how wonderful you are. But yet, Lord, we are so fearful to step out in faith, and as it has been said, to believe you. Help us, O God, as your people, to recognize that, Lord, we walk by faith and not by sight. And that, Lord, we truly are a peculiar treasure. That we are different than the people of this world. And we are a people who will not lean on our own understanding. But, Lord, in all of our ways, we will acknowledge you. And you will direct our path. You will order our steps. And you will direct our coming and our going. You are the one who will give us favor in the sight of others. Lord, we thank you. For your faithfulness and your love towards us. And we're so thankful Lord that you commended your love towards us O oh God. And that Lord we understand that Lord we are an unlovable group. But Lord you have chosen to love us. Forgive us Lord of our sins. Forgive us of our blemishes. Forgive us of our faithlessness. Forgive us O oh God. For all the sin that we find ourselves in at times, lift us out of the Mari clay and set our feet upon a solid foundation. Thank you for what you're yet going to do. May you bless us as we look into your word today. May your Holy Spirit, who is the true teacher, open our hearts and our minds. And may we be, as James says, not only hearers of your word, but of people who are desirous to perform your word, to live it out. Thank you, Lord, for enabling us to do what we cannot do in and of ourselves. We just give you praise and give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell me why Satan hates you so. Tell me why Satan fights against you. Tell me why Satan is always trying to throw a stumbling block in your path. Tell me why Satan is always trying to upset your world. And understand this. Satan wants to knock you out. Satan wants to knock you out. Satan wants to hinder you in your Christian walk. Satan wants you to run away from Christ. Satan wants you to be in a position where you really don't believe in the Lord. Satan wants to put you in a position where you will not even trust the Lord. And you're the one that has to ask the question, and maybe some of you have already asked the question, why is Satan fighting against the saints of God? I haven't done anything to him. I haven't done anything to him. You ever have somebody pick on you and you say to yourself, what have I done to them? Yeah, I haven't done anything. No. No. But the reason Satan picks on you, because Satan believes he can defeat you. Process of elimination. Can't beat up on God. I don't have no victories beating up on Jesus. But I can beat up on the saints. I can beat up on the believers. I can beat up on those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And Satan fights us because of a choice that we made. A decision that was made. To trust Jesus. To trust Jesus. To obey Jesus. He picks on. He's persistent. He's constantly at us. Satan's defeat causes his anger towards God and the church to intensify. You need to understand that. That his anger intensifies because we ourselves, oftentimes, are fighting against him. And the thing is, the so white you gotta give me a new battery for this thing. Uh, it's not, no, it's not going to work. I will try another new battery. But his anger intensifies because, when you look down through the ages, he continues to lose the battles. I'm gonna give you. Ten battles that he's lost. And you can follow him through scripture. That intensifies that when we get to. Revelations 12. You understand a little bit more. Why he goes after what is called the offsprings. The offsprings. When you start in that chapter 12. You also see him attacking Jesus. At the very point of birth. He couldn't stop that. Then the church couldn't stop that. And now the saints. Now. This says his first defeat thrown out of heaven. We talked about that some last week. I believe he's already thrown out. He has a. Pr- He can go back and forth because he's the accuser. But there's coming a point he will not go back in. All the other angels don't go. He goes. The fall of man in Genesis 3. Satan started his busyness. God sets man in a perfect environment. Give man everything he has need of. And tells man just one thing you can't touch. And Satan comes along and says, in a sense, God lied to you because he don't want you to be like him. Knowing that if he could only get the people to do this, there would be a response from God. But it was not the response that he was really hoping for the end of mankind but that it would be that God came God saw their sin and God clothed them of their nakedness yes he did put them out of the garden and they suffered what is oftentimes we call spiritual death but God did not leave them alone because somewhere through that process Adam and Eve confessed. And we see God continue to work with them and bless them with children. Abraham and Sarah. God calls Abraham. And at some point, Abraham and Sarah take it into their own hands to somehow get a child. that Abraham's name would continue on and that he may be that father of many nations, but that was not God's plan. And sometimes as men, we do what? We run ahead of God. We run ahead of God. But in their old age, in Genesis 17:19, God tells them that Sarah would be pregnant and will bring forth a child. Name Isaac. So Satan couldn't hinder. God's work. Or oh, he is trying. But he can't stop it. And then the destruction. Of Israel. In 422. The Lord simply says. Boy. My people won't listen. And my people are bent. On evil. Now. The whole process here go ahead and turn with me, Jeremiah 4:22, because it's, it's good to look at it because we need to understand what God is saying here. He says, and, and I like the way it starts off, my people, based on this fact, because we sin and because we falter, God doesn't disown us. He's still calling Israel what? His people. And he says, my people are fools. They do not know me. My people don't know me. They're fools. They are senseless children. They have no understanding. They are skilled in doing what? Evil. They know not how to do good. But they are skilled in doing evil. My people. That's some statement. My people are skilled at doing evil. He goes on and he says... His other defeat. Because where he thought he had Israel. And Israel's destruction. And God would send them in for 70 years. God says after the 70 years. He will come and get them. And bring them back into their land. Then the birth of Jesus. Boy. Matthew 2.13. The angel tells him to take the child. And do what? Escape. To Egypt, because what is Herod doing? Killing all the children, two years and under. Again, Satan defeated. Then Jesus' mission in Matthew 4.10, when he's in the wilderness and hungry, you, you hear Satan say, if you only do this, I'll give you all this. And Jesus says, away from me, Satan. It is written. And we get the famous words. It is written. Satan again defeated. Death and resurrection. Romans one four That the power of that resurrection is the proof that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then. When we get into Revelation 12, 11, Satan can't rule over the saints. And that's what Satan has been doing ever since the church has been formed, is that desire to rule over the saints of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says he is the head of his church. And guess who's trying to be the head of it? Guess who keeps troubling the saints? Guess who wants to rule your life? though Jesus says he's the head of your life, he's the Lord of your life, guess who battles for that lordship? Guess who battles to sit on the throne of your heart? Guess who battles to speak to you and that you would obey his voice rather than the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ? And Satan's beast and false prophet defeated. They are the only two, when you read this passage, That is thrown into the lake of fire alive. The very next verse that you read. After it says they were thrown in alive. It says the rest were killed. But they are thrown into the lake of fire alive. And then Satan. Is defeated after being set free. From a thousand years imprisonment or lockup. You might say, well, after a thousand years, I've learned my lesson. No, he comes out and he deceives the nations. And then he is finally defeated. Because it says in 2010. That he is sent to the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Satan is angry. Satan knows what his end is going to be. Satan's future is not very bright. But Satan's going to cause havoc, as much havoc as he can, until he himself is totally defeated. Yet God continues to use him as a tool. Satan's anger is spilled out on Israel, the church, and the individual believers who make up the church. Go me to Revelations 12. We need to understand that yes, we have an enemy and we are in a battle. The deception of many individuals is this. We still play this game as though Satan does not exist. We play this game as though Satan is not going to bother me. And I'm doing everything I want to do. That somehow God himself is not the controlling person. And that Satan can't really do anything to me. And one of the biggest things we do is when we laugh at Satan, thinking that he is something less than a powerful enemy. And to deny him, you're right in his camp. He wants you to believe that he does not exist. He wants you to believe he can't intervene into your life. He wants you to believe that he can't shut doors, that he can't cause you to fall. He he wants you to believe that he can't cause you to be disturbed. He, He wants you to believe that he can't bring depression into your life. He wants you to believe that he can't cause trouble between you and the person that you love the most here on earth. He wants you to believe that he can't cause chaoticness in your household and your family but Satan does when Satan can't get you as the head he'll go towards the wife when he can't touch you or the wife he'll go towards the children when he can't touch either one he'll start causing financial difficulties then you start questioning God you said you'll do this for me you'll do that for me and if the wrong thing happens in life listen to people when I'm not in the right family, or I have a, a bad father, bad mother, bad brothers and sisters, I have this or I have that, people will get angry at God and blame God and don't want to have a relationship with God. Listen to people. Because they don't recognize that sin is a powerful thing in people's lives. It is sin that causes a divorce. It is sin that causes children to rebel. It is sin that causes a father not to be a father. It is sin that causes a mother not to be a mother. It is sin that breaks up relationships between friends. It's sin. And Satan is that author of sin. Read with me Revelations 12, 13 through 17, and we're going to come back to it. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of great eagles, so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert. For she would be taken care of for a time, time and a half a time out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the turret. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon has spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged. He was enraged. He went from anger to just outright rage. The dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her, what? Osprey. Now, now Israel has been put off, protected... Taken care of. But the offsprings now. I can't touch this. But I'll touch this. The offsprings. Those who obey God's command commandments. And hold to the testimony. Of Jesus. Satan pursued the woman. To destroy. Satan pursued Israel. And as you look in the Old Testament, you're constantly constantly seeing Israel troubled by Satan with the sins that took place. And we finally see that Satan is sent into exile, into slavery. The whole process is that Satan is being the one who's hindering Israel. That they may not be what God has called them to be. A witness to the whole world. A light to the whole world. A testimony to the whole world. The word pursue is in a hostile manner. That Satan's going after to hurt. In any way, whatever, to harass, to trouble... To molest one, to persecute, to mistreat, to cause one to suffer persecution on account of something. And what is that something? Being used of God. Being a partner with God. That Satan comes after us because we have decided to become a team player with God. To obey God. To carry out God's will not His will. And because we have refused to be on His team, He's out to hurt. Many you used to play sandlot ball or basketball or, or, or play any sports with certain people. But for some reason, if you were not on your best friend's team or you couldn't get over there or people thought you should be over on this side, that if you were on the other side... People would try to hurt you. Because you're not playing on what? On their side. You're not with them. They would purposely try to hurt you. Boy, any time that Howard played Bukdo, people were trying to hurt me. Why? Why? Because I, I lived three or four blocks down from Bukto and I should have went to Bukto but I chose to go to Howard Trade and play basketball and football there. But yet, whenever we would play, guys that I would see all the time would try to hurt me. Because I'm playing for another team rather than playing with them at Bukto And Satan sees you playing on another team. The team of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's out to hurt you. Okay. Because you chose to play on the wrong team as far as he is concerned. Okay. And he is persistent at it. Satan doesn't let up. Satan doesn't stop coming at you. Satan will continue. Until you see Christ face to face, Satan's going to battle you every inch of the way. And you need to understand that, that Satan is persistent. And Satan's goal is to break you down to where you lose your love for Jesus. He wants to block your view of Jesus as Hebrews says, looking unto the Author of ourselves, he wants to block that view that you don't see him. And when you don't see him clearly, it's like the lighthouse with a ship out there on the wave. When they don't see that lighthouse, they don't know where they're at. They don't know where they're going. It's hopelessness. But that lighthouse gives hope. That lighthouse gives direction. And when we don't see Jesus because of all of our difficulties and all of our problems and all the circumstances that sometimes pile up on us, you need to remember Satan has clouded your eyes. Just like the clouds sometimes block the sun, but is the sun still there? Yes, it's still there. And with all your problems of life and all your difficulties of life, Jesus is still there. Don't lose sight of Him. Don't lose sight of Him. Keep looking for Him. Even when there's days, sometimes you can't see Him clearly, you keep looking. You keep looking up. You don't allow Satan to rob your hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And you keep trusting him. Because Satan is persistent. And he's out to destroy the saints of God. Now, God protects Israel. Go with me Psalms 115, 12. Psalms 115. Because oftentimes we forget God is the one Who will have to protect us. God is the one. Who is going to have to care for us. He says. The Lord. Remembers us. And will bless us. How many of you really understand. God remembers you. You're never off God's heart. You're never out of God's mind. Once you become his child. This is a true principle. You become his responsibility. When you become his child, you are his responsibility. He's going to rear you. He's going to raise you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to be there for you. He will not be an absentee father. He'll be right there. You're the one that has to be willing to accept that, that he's there and he's working in your life. And he says, boy, the Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron that God's going to bless. God's going to keep. God's going to do a certain thing here. Go to Exodus 19, 4, because here again. It is God who is keeping. It is God who is blessing. It is God who remembers. He said, you yourself have seen what I did to Egypt. And how I carried you on eagles wings and bought you to where? To myself. Israel, you witnessed this. How I bought you to myself on eagles wings. And he gives them eagles wings again. To fly out into the desert, to escape to the desert, or to preserve themselves. And he protects them. Whether this be the Roman persecution of the church, the early church of Israel, some commentaries will say that. And they will speak of the German tribes and so forth coming to their rescue when it speaks of the earth opening up its mouth to swallow the water. But here Satan is so angry that God has protected. He used, in my mind, similar tactic that God did. He's going to flood the earth and do what? Wipe them all out. But it says the earth helped them by opening its mouth. And some will say those were other tribes of people... That helped to save Israel or save the church. And it goes on and he simply says, Boy, the woman was given two wings, in verse 14, of a great eagle, so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert. The desert is always a safe place. God seemed like he always takes his people where? To the desert. Moses went to the desert. To learn and to be safe. Israel had to go to the desert for 40 years to learn and to be safe. He, he takes them to a place where he protects them. And it goes on, it says, Fly to the place prepared for her in the desert where she would be taken care of for a time. Who's going to take care of? God has. And he says, for a time and a time and a half here. That Israel is going to be taken care of. Because when that covenant is broken. Satan's coming after Israel. And God has already prepared a place for them. That they can be taken care of. But look what else he says here now. In 16. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth. And swallowing the river that the dragon has spewed out of his mouth. Showing the power of Satan and what Satan can also do. But again, as we talked last week, Satan is not the most powerful individual. What does God do? Opens the earth and swallows the flood. Or prepare people who will assist and help Israel or the church in this time of difficulty. That God is there to prepare and to take care of. Go with me to Second Timothy 4.18. I like the confidence of Paul. Because Paul is not dependent so much on man as he is dependent upon god and we need to take note of what he says here that yes even though everybody turned their back on him what paul recognizes is this if god be for me who can really be against me and therefore in second timothy chapter 4 Come to verse 18. It says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. What will the Lord do? Rescue me from what? Every evil attack. Now, now you and I got to get that in our head and in our heart. That God will rescue us from every evil attack of the enemy. Now, he's also even giving you clothing. To put on that armor of God that you can stand after you've done all else. Just stand. And God's giving you equipment to use. But the thing here, he says, God is the one who will rescue you. Even when you take your stand and you can't do any more, God will rescue you. But you have to believe it. You have to be willing to believe that God is able to see you through this. I don't care about the pain, the hurt, or what you're suffering. Can God see you through it? You still have life. As long as you can crawl, as long as you can breathe, there's still hope. And God is able to see you through it care how difficult it might be. God is more than able. But we have to believe that He is. And we have to believe that He will. And Paul is so confident that Paul says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to His heavenly what? His heavenly kingdom. He will bring me Because nothing's going to separate me and my God. He's going to bring me to my heavenly reward. He's going to bring me to himself. He's going to bring me. He's going to do it. And how many of you really believe, no matter what you're going through, that God in his own way have you in the hollow of his hands, and he hasn't let you go, and he's going to bring you to himself. He's going to bring you to himself. Now, in 15 and 16, boy, Satan again, he releases that anger. But again, Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not do what? Prevail against it. And we need to understand that Jesus Christ really is the head of his church. He's the head. But understand, when you cannot attack the head, you attack the ones behind. The small ones. The ones that you think can't defend themselves. The ones who are seen as helpless. Unless God intervenes. What Satan doesn't know, or somehow he misses it, God has empowered us with the person of the Holy Spirit. He's empowered us with the person of the Holy Spirit. In Thessalonians, it tells us that the Holy Spirit is removed. Oftentimes, we take that as though he's totally removed from the world. May I suggest to you, Satan is removed from hindering Satan. That Satan can let loose of all his fury, all his anger, all his sin, all his iniquity, that he is removed out of the way of hindering Satan. But he is in the believer. He is in the saint. Why would I say that? Because scripture is so clear that without the Spirit, you're none of His. And then, to be able to have the testimony and to be able to, To obey the commandments of Christ. That I will not. And I cannot see it. Contribute to man. In and of himself. Without God intervening. Man would not be able on his own. To stand up against the whims of Satan. And if the Holy Spirit is totally removed at this time, then we have to say man is a powerful individual. But the only way they're able to stand is because of the Holy Spirit that still is here, but yet dwelling in the saints of God. Now, stay with me for a moment. He's going to attack the offsprings. So in Galatians 3.29, we all know that we come out of the seed of who? Abraham. Out of Abraham, eventually, through his son Isaac, comes also Jacob, that is named what? Israel. Out of Israel eventually comes who? The Lord Jesus Christ out of the tribe of Judah. And this whole process, he attacks now the offsprings. He cannot destroy Israel. He cannot stop the birth of Christ. He cannot uproot the seed of Christ as being the head of his church. So now he's come to that place Where he is going to attack the saints of God, the members of this church, the members of this body. And the thing I would ask you is this, again, why? Why? Even in this late hour, why would Satan... Desire to attack the saints of God, those who name the name of Jesus Christ. Why would Satan want to see you fall and God says, I've come that you may have life and have it how? Abundantly. God wants to set you up on a higher ground. God wants to work in each one of our lives. Why? That we might be a testimony of what he has done in your life. others, And Satan desires to quiet, to silence that profession, to silence the work that God has done, that Satan wants to put it in the darkness, in the closet. Satan wants to hide it from everybody. And the Lord says, you're a light set on the hill, what, that everybody can see. But Satan wants to hinder that light. And there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. Come back into the verse with me. It says in verse 17 Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offsprings. Those who obey God's commandments. When you obey God's commandments, what you are saying to Satan is this. I love Jesus. I love Jesus more than your sin. I love Jesus more than myself. I love Jesus. And those who keep the commandments... Of our Lord and Savior. And keep his teaching. They demonstrate to a dying world. How much they love the Lord Jesus Christ. And it brings him glory. It allows people to see. That yes. Though you may love this. And love that. And care for this. And care for that thing. There is one thing that takes preeminence in your life. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. when you obey him you make him preeminent in your life you make him number one you make him first in your life and you live it that way that people can see it and recognize it and know it that he means something to you that he really does mean something to you he's not a religious thing to you but that he's a person Who means something to you. And you hold him in a very high standard. Because he is valued by you. He is valued greatly by you. Enormously by you. He's more precious than anything else. And you demonstrate that when you are obedient unto him. The real value you have for Jesus. Then he comes back and he says, Boy, they hold to the testimony of Jesus, they hold to the evidence given of their salvation, they hold to what Jesus has done in their life, they don't take it for granted. They don't take it and say, oh, I've been lucky today. No. They hold because they realize what God has done in their life. And that forms their testimony. That forms their witness. That forms their confession. That forms what they're going to share with others. Need to really hear that. Their testimony. Testimony. Because, see, and I like the way the Holy Spirit, the author here, puts it. Again, I'll say to you, sometimes follow the way the Holy Spirit puts words in Scripture. For the first part of what he simply says is this here. Boy, they keep my commandments. Now, let me ask you something. When you really make it up in your mind, go to Romans 7. When you really make it up in your mind to obey God... Who's there? What does Paul say? Every time I desire to do good, what's present? Yeah. Evil's right there. Every time I want to do good, evil's right there. Follow with me. When you desire to keep his commandments... Evil is going to be there. But in and of yourself, you would never have the victory without turning it over to Jesus. And when you turn it over to Jesus, then he gives you the victory. Now you got something to say. I can brag on him now. What he's done for me. Not what I've done for him, it's what he's done for me, enabling me to be obedient to him. You catch it? And then after I'm obedient unto him, following his commandments, following his word, and what he's asked me to do, now I have formulated a testimony because I've seen what he's able to do, what he has the power to do, and how he can work in me as weak as I am and not deserving of it, yet he does it. i got a testimony to tell somebody else. And I become a witness of the things of the living God. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I can witness, now I can share with somebody else as we song how good God is. Now Satan desires to remove the evidence of salvation in the life of a believer. And we got people who walk around, boy, I believe, I believe, I believe. But the testimony, what? The evidence of that isn't where? Yeah. And we hear what the Lord says. Yes, you will confess me and you'll say, Lord, Lord, and didn't I do this? And didn't I do that? Yeah, you did that in the power of the flesh. And understand this, you can do a lot of things in the power of the flesh. But when the Holy Spirit takes it, he takes it to a new height. To a new height. And he says to them, yeah, you call me Lord, Lord, but where's your heart at? Far from me. Why? The heart is not willing to be obedient to who? To the commandments of Jesus. Not willing to surrender. But when you're willing to really surrender, now, The heart desires to glorify God. And when the heart desires to glorify God, the Lord says, if there be a willing mind, it's acceptable unto him. God, that's where it starts at. Lord, I want to glorify you. Lord, I want to do the right thing here. Lord, I want you to enable me to keep walking uprightly and honestly with you. Lord, I want a closeness with you. When you start praying those things, God enables when you start asking God to enable you to be holy, then He does it. First Peter 3:15 says, "Sanctify the Lord. Lord set me apart." To make you special. Lord set me apart. To make you shine. Lord set me apart. To glorify you. Lord set me apart. From this world. And all the things of this world. That would interfere with me. Glorifying you. Set me apart. Oh God. And I pray that in my heart. That I want to be set apart. Sanctified. Holy for the Lord. Now he's ready to use me. Why? The heart is crying out. Why? Because I cannot do it. In and of myself. God knows this frail body. God knows this weakness. God knows I'll sin in a minute. God knows I'll take off running after this. I'll take off running after that. Unless he holds me. Unless he enables me to truly walk with him. Why Why would the songwriter pen such a song? Come home. Come home. Well, you had to be home, but you didn't run away from home. And now the plea is what? Come home. Come home. See, and we need to understand that. We will run away from the Lord. Sin will draw us away from the Lord. Things that tingle in this thing, like if I'm going to miss it, if I'm going to do this or do that. Whatever God has for you, John says, no one can stop. You from receiving what God has for you. Don't get all knotted up. Because see God wants to do great things in your life that formulates your testimony. Come on with me just for a moment. Go to Romans 10. Remember they kept the commandments. And remember they had a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Romans 10. Because there's a reason that Satan wants to hinder the testimony. There's a reason Satan wants to hinder you being obedient to God. Come down with me and uh, pick up with me in verse 14. It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? They don't believe. But neither have they heard. Even in this late hour. And Satan is furious. Satan is still trying to silence the gospel. And Jesus says, no, the testimony is going to go forth. My word is going to go forth. My salvation is still going to go forth. Even in this late hour with Satan's anger. And yes, it may be more difficult. Yes, it may be harder. But boy, he says, there are those who's going to testify of me. Not even loving their own life. They're willing to die that I might be glorified. And how do they overcome? They overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And he says, boy, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Without somebody giving their testimony. And the word preached there is just proclaimed. How will they hear unless somebody's proclaiming the goodness of God? How are they going to hear and believe and be saved unless somebody's proclaiming what Jesus Christ is capable of doing and standing there as the evidence of what God is able to do? The moment somebody says, I don't believe, you can't argue with that. That's your choice. But I stand here as the evidence of being able to say, I know what my God is able to do to a life that is surrendered unto Him. And He is able to save me, not only save me, He's able to keep me. Don't matter what's going on. Don't matter how Satan's acting up. Don't matter how bad Satan has being. My God is more than able to keep me. And people need to hear that. People need to know that God's brought you out of the Maori Clay. People need to know that you've been forgiven of your sin because there are people who are running around here believing that God will never forgive them. They need to know the power of your God and His ability to forgive and rescue and deliver them. And to transform them. He says, how will they hear unless someone's proclaiming it? And look what's happening. Being proclaimed. Being proclaimed. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are what? Sent. Sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What are they spreading? Even in this late hour, good news, good news. They keep the commandments of God and they have a testimony and they're sharing the good news of the gospel and the power of salvation that is in Jesus Christ. That is what brings me to that place. That if they're doing this, it has to be done not by flesh and blood, but by the Spirit of the living God who empowers them to do it. It has to be the indwelling Spirit. Because man and his fleshiness is weak and has not the power. But the Holy Spirit is there helping them to keep the commandments of God helping them to be a testimony to the glory of God and to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's there. And he's making them exactly what it says in Acts eight. A witness. A witness to the things of God. Are you a witness to the things of God? Are you a witness of what God is doing in your life? Again, here what Paul says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because Paul understood the gospel transformed his life. Paul understood it was God... Who gave him life when everybody was looking at him. And he put his hand to put a log on the fire and a snake bit. And they all said, oh, he a dead man now. And yet he lives. A lot of people will look at you and say, you ought to be dead. But yet you what? You live. You're alive. And the only reason you are alive is because of Jesus Christ. He is the one who's enabling. He's the one who's performing. And he is the one who's giving you a witness, a testimony about him. Why? You've seen the evidence of him working where? In your own life. In your own life. That's why the scripture says, everything that has breath, do what? (laughs) Praise him. You glorify him. And you speak of his goodness. We don't have the power to save anybody. That's still God's work. But we do have, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to share a powerful testimony or witness of what God has done in our lives. And that's what's happening even at this time. Satan is furious. Satan is in a rage. And you may think Satan's in a rage in your life. He's tearing up everything in your home, he's messing up everything in your life. Begin to praise God and give a testimony of what God is doing. And just draw nigh unto God. And if you draw nigh unto God, Satan will flee. You have been saved just like those individuals in Revelation. You're saved with one purpose and one purpose only, to glorify God Amen. and to be a witness for Him. Amen? Amen. Oh, we're so blessed. I hope we can see it in the context but a lot of times I don't want to talk Revelation as though we're totally disconnected from it. I don't want to talk about Old Testament as though we're totally disconnected from it. God allows us to see future and history that we might know how to conduct ourselves. That we might know how to live. And you need to understand. The whole thing of Ephesians. Is that we're in a battle. That's why he gives you the armor. To put on. You're in a battle. What we're seeing. In Revelations 12. Is the reason for the battle. That's all. And in 13. 14, 15, 16, we begin to see Satan's fury just poured out. And then in 19 and 20, you begin to see God act. And the defeat of Satan and his foes. But people understand this. You are his living testimony right now. You are called to keep his commandments right now. And you are called if necessary. And the only way this will happen is if the Holy Spirit really strengthens you, that you do not denounce Jesus Christ and you're ready to die for Christ. Remember last week I said, don't give me the president's address, don't give me no top secrets, because I ain't suffering no pain for you. See, I've been and told them where to get hold of you, where to call you, top secrets and everything else. See, see. But when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he empowers you for the hour, for the very moment for which you are standing for Christ right then. Amen. Father, we want to thank you and praise you that Lord, though we see the anger of Satan, we need not to be fearful of it. And yes, Lord, the intensity of the enemy is going to rise. And even in our day, especially for our children or our grandchildren, they're going to even see more of the intensity of Of Satan. And may we as parents and grandparents. Somehow give them insight. And help to provide for them. The encouragement to stand. And to keep the commandments. Of our God. And to be a testimony of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not to be silenced by the enemy. Not to withdraw from the fight because of what we see take place. But that, Lord, we will prepare our children and our grandchildren, if you choose to tarry, that they might know how to stand in that day and in that hour. Lord, help us, O oh God, to see that, Lord, this is not very far off if we see it from your eyes. For us, Lord, we don't know the day or the hour in which you're going to come. We don't know when this seven-year period is going to start. We don't know, Lord, when this will take place and that will take place. But, Lord, what we do know all through the ages, O God, you have always had a remnant and you've always raised up a people, O God, who will keep your commandments and be a testimony for you. Lord, minister to us. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, knowing that it is truly the power of God unto salvation. Remembering that, Lord, no matter how Satan's anger may come, we have the peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, that we would be a people also, Lord, Lord, That in the days of trouble, as it was with Issachar, that they knew what to do. That we would be such a people. That we would know the time in which we are living. And we know what to do. Lord, equip us to be your witnesses empower us to keep your commandments and we'll give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus name Amen if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ I want to give you that opportunity you're not joining the church joining the church will not save you being involved in activities in the church will not save you there's only one name under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved and that is the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, would you do it today? Plead with you. Why would we plead with you? Because hell is a reality. And it is God's will that none of us would go to hell because he did not create hell for man but for Satan and his angels. Heaven has been created for you. But the only way you're going to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. You won't get there by being good. You won't get there by following the Ten Commandments. You won't get there, understand me here, by saying I believe in God, but yet rejecting His Son. There is only one name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. And that name is Jesus Christ and Him alone. If you never accepted Christ, would you come? Not going to prolong. Would you come? Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your witness to each and every one of us. And if there be one among us, Lord, who has never accepted you, may you be the hound dog of heaven and may you go after them. May they have no rest until they surrender to you and walk uprightly with you. And Lord, may you continue to bless us, oh God. That we might walk uprightly with you. Help us to be your living testimonies. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepare to give to the Lord, we give not grudgingly, We give with hearts of thanksgiving. We give with hearts of joy because our lives are not dependent on us. Our lives is dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you and praise you, O God, for the gift that you give unto us that we might give back to you a portion of that which you so richly bless us with. And Father, we pray that you would take it and multiply it. And use it to further your kingdom and to help people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. May your will be performed in every dime, nickel, dollar. May your will be performed. And may you be glorified. Thank you for this privilege that you grant us to give back to you. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.